0: Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the BMCast, not a podcast that includes a reference to Tamiyo in the first sentence to give its listeners another dose of emotional whiplash, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget, I am sorry as well. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the spirited companion herself, Emma. How are you doing today? I
1: was doing good until you mentioned Tamiyo in the goddamn <laughs> intro, Scott. I just got over it, how dare you? Um, otherwise, I'm good. Um... <laughs> A little busy in the world of Magic this week, so you and I hopped on the EDH Rec stream last week, yeah, we lovely did. folks over there, that was a good laugh. You kind of won easily, from what <laughs> I remember. It was like 2am when we were playing, so it's, it's a bit of a blur for me, because I'm not quite used yeah. to playing Commander in the wee hours of the morning. Um, yeah,
0: I was sp- I was basically still high on crack at yeah, that the, point. This
1: like. is, that's just like normal time <laughs> for you, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah like anytime between like 10 p.m. and like 3 a.m. that's when like i'm at my full energy and i'm like let's go let's go okay <laughs> like puppy yeah.
1: um so i gave quintoria to well which we talked about last week yeah so i bought a load of cards for that and had like a playable deck um i'm missing like a mm-hmm. couple of cards which i'm still wanting to turn up because there's a couple of like commander cards that are quite hard to get hold of i'm looking at use of reclamation because yeah. <laughs> card just doesn't exist apparently um, so yeah it was a good blast. A couple little tweaks I want to make, just like some upgrades on like the land base and stuff like okay. that. It's nothing too drastic. So yeah that was fun and as for content, on Wednesday the 2nd of Feb, probably you may have seen mm-hmm. it when the episode goes live, but I have a preview card for from Kawagawa uh, Neon Dynasty. Nice. It's going up on TCG player. As I said, you're likely to see it on Reddit or Twitter because things get yep. shared aggressively quickly these days. There's a really fun write-up on it because the card's really really cool. I recommend checking it out and I'll pop the link in the show notes uh, if you want to check it out. Otherwise, I've been playing more retro stuff, so I'm still on Super Mario Bros. 3 and I forgot how much I hate the grinning Mm. sun in the levels that comes at you when you're running around the levels and it tries to burn you out. That's really annoying, but that's about it. How about (laughs) you? (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. To get the, you know, content pushing blurb out of the way, my article that's going out this week, it's a love letter to three mana rocks in Commander. Ooh. So, you see, the thing is, to to me, too many people are obsessed with running the most efficient mana rocks. So, they're basically just skipping the three mana costed rocks completely. You know, so I talk about everything that they're missing out on, because there's so many sweet, sweet options there. I kind of try to explain how the most efficient options aren't always the best. So, that's live on Car Kingdom now. You can check that out after the show. And I have been busy brewing again. So, fresh off the back of making Velimachus Lorehold Sunforger Wheels deck... Yeah, I think I got all the words in there that time. Yeah, okay. Uh, (laughs) And now I've just finished building a feather deck. Now, I know what you're thinking. Two Boros decks in a row. That seems ridiculous, Scott. What's going on? It was purely incidental. Let me tell you. Like, I know what people are thinking, first of all. Like, feather decks are usually the ones where it's like, at the end of your second main, I'm going to cast this Bandage, and then I'm going to cast this Expedite, and then I'm going to cast this other terrible cantrip that targets my creature. And then uh, I'm going to draw three cards, and then on end step, I'm going to have them come back to my hand, and then okay, pass turn. Like, it's so irritating to play against. That's not the case here. I'm making a feather blink deck. I was going to build a blue-white blink deck, but it was way too dirtly, and the main way to win was just, like, find a combo loop and win and I didn't really want to do that I ended up going red white because you get stuff like impact tremors and war storm surge and one that Angelo de Jeskai had mentioned to us before that he put into his Jeskai flicker deck which was red dragon and uncommon from adventures in the forgotten realms it's a six mana four four with flying and when it etbs it deals four damage to each opponent If you flicker that on every opponent's turn, including your own, with the one flicker spell over and over, that's 16 damage every time it makes its way around the table. Like, that's crazy. So, I've been really enjoying that. It's a lot of fun. And I've also started the transition of my lovely and Arden deck to become an Artisan Commander deck as well. And there's a lot of reasoning behind this decision. First of all, my other artisan deck is Sir Cara. It is super fun. I will be keeping her, but she gets targeted a lot. Like I'll whittle everybody at the table down to around 50 in life. Everyone will be like, that's so cool. Anyway, it's time to kill you now because I don't want to die. <laughs> and then I basically can't stop them. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. I've accepted that. So I wanted a deck that would be exciting to play with and stood even a tiny chance of winning. So I decided to do it with this one and i also am looking to build a rhoda and timon like tap down style like voltron girl with giant greatsword kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that sounds really cool Uh, and i didn't want to have two blue white aggro decks in the exact same format so one is artisan one is going to be commander so there's that but yeah yeah that's that's all the the stuff i've been up to mostly playing and brewing it's pretty much a typical week for me yeah yeah now Emma, have we got any housekeeping before we head on any further? We
1: do. So we'd like to give a warm welcome to Tim Newman, who is the latest patron of the Cheering Fanatic tier, and Jamie Coyle for upgrading their place to the Stongs tier. So thank you very much, Tim nice. and Jamie, and enjoy those benefits.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. If you enjoy the BM Cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and decklists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. So, Emma, it's your turn. What's the card of the week?
1: So, with Kawagawa Dynasty previews kicking off and everyone's excited mm-hmm. for vehicles to make a return... But i'd pick yeah. a vehicle card this week so i am picking the omen keel which is the back side of Cosimo golden voyage oh yeah so for a whole 63 cents Oof. you get this legendary artifact vehicle so i'm talking about the back side not the front side here because you can still cast mm-hmm. the back side for the two mana you don't need to do any prequisites to flip it you can just cast the other side so it reads, whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles that many cards from the top of their library. You may pay lands among those cards for as long as they remain exiled. And it's got a crew of one. As I said, Neon Dynasty is bringing back vehicles in a big way. They have confirmed that the commander for uh, one of the commander pre-cons is going to be a Vehicles Matters deck. So yep. you're going to get a lot of people wanting to pick up like really good vehicles, the blue ones, the white ones. And this one just seems really, mm. really good. It's kind of like pseudo ramp because you have to attack and then you just get to steal lands or people. Mm. And it's just ramping colors that kind of struggle with it. So blue white, for example, and it's well cost of the two mana. Omen kill doesn't need to attack itself. You can just throw other vehicles in and get the benefits yeah. and it's soft mill as well. You can slowly whittle away at the board as well. And yeah. also it just forces combat. And I really like the idea of forcing combat in commander. I don't like dirtling. So this is another, yeah. it's another nice way to go about it.
0: For sure. Uh, Just on this card in general, I feel it necessary to point out and highlight a good friend of mine, Dahi, their Cosima God of the Voyage deck sort of does a bit of two things. It's a little bit of Cosima doing mono blue landfall, weird nonsense, but also the Omen Keel vehicles. So it's a bit of both. And it is super, super cool, super fun. It's a really interesting commander to build around. I highly recommend if you're interested in a weird deck that's surprisingly synergistic. Kosima is definitely the commander to try out Mm. and i have lost to that vehicle mill exile thing like more than once
1: it seems to pretty good effect especially for like 60 cents and when there's a vehicle matters commander coming out it just seems like a good pickup just even if you don't play it it just seems like a fun card
0: for sure yeah all right so let's jump in we were talking about kamigawa neon dynasty let's talk about some of the previews now this is Sunday afternoon that we're recording, so we have seen everything up until this point. Anything else from this point onwards is going to be in next week's episode. But, we have quite a lot to talk about here. What we've done is we've kind of cut it down as much as possible for fear of the episode taking way too long. We're going to try and be quick where we can with these cards. There's a lot that we can go into here. I'm going to do my very, very best (laughs) to try and make sure that this is reined in to, like, you know, within our usual time, because... I gotta be honest, this set is looking incredible. Looking
1: really good. And I'll be honest when I came into Neon Dynasty and hearing about it, I was a bit apprehensive because I didn't I wasn't into magic when mm-hmm. Kamga first came out in like the early 2000s. So it's just like, eh, this is not for me because obviously there's a lot of enfranchised mm-hmm. fans like people want to come back to the plane, which is cool so it's just like oh it's probably gonna be a miss but some of the design and the flavour has been really really cool like I think this is the first standard set in a long time that I'm actually like excited to play not play standard but excited to play the cards like yeah not like a Modern Horizons or whatever so
0: so how this feels to me so far and I know this probably isn't the case and it's it's me just likely drawing like conclusions and stuff but this sort of feels like you know when people like Gavin Verhey and stuff jump onto Twitter and put up polls of like oh what's your favorite mechanic or what's your like favorite car type or whatever and like weird ones like Vehicles Win or like Sagas or whatever it's like this set was like well these are all the things you said you really like so like here's all of them moon go yeah. and I'm really really on board with it it's so freaking cool <laughs> I love this everything in the set so far has looked amazing and I I just you know what, I'm gonna get started. I'm gonna talk about a card, and I'll start us off with a card. It's Invoke Calamity. So Invoke Calamity is one red, 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 so five mana, four of which has to be red, for an instant, that reads, you may cast up to two instant and or sorcery spells with total mana value six or less from your graveyard and or hand without paying their mana costs. If those spells will be put into your graveyard, exile them instead and exile Invoke Calamity. So, it's kind of like a weird hand and graveyard equivalent version of like Collected Company, sort of, but for instance, and sorceries. And it's wild. First of all, the art is wild, especially on the soft glow frame. Hmm. It's just a volcano exploding flaming swords, and I'm definitely (laughs) on board with that. And like, that's not an exaggeration, that is an accurate (laughs) description of the art. (laughs) uh it's just super powerful and flexible like you can play one card from your hand and one from the graveyard or like both from the graveyard or both from hand you cast this and it'll cast two spells that's three spells for a phoenix to turn on for example now it's five mana so it's a bit pricey but you never know this is a really cool way to recover in the late game like if you top deck this you can play like two burn spells out of the bin or something and like that's great or you could just set up a huge explosive turn it's just a very very strong cool card I'm obviously excited about this to go into my Lelia the Blade Reforged deck because it exiles cards from the bin. But I'm also... One part of this that I don't think you would initially look at and go, oh, that's great. And that is the mana cost. Mm. So one red, 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 red is basically telling you you can only really play this in mono red decks. Yeah. Because, you know, we've seen it before where like things have red, red or triple red. And it's like, oh, they're basically monocolored decks or whatever. But then you see like wild decks that are like three or four colors and they're running like double and triple pips and they're fine with it mostly. This is significantly harder. That fourth pip is like basically you you might have a light splash, but that's about it. Yeah. And I really like this. It's a great design choice because it forces you to go hard into one color in order to get paid off with something as powerful as this. And I really like that design. Yeah. It benefits you to go closer to Monocolor now with spells like this. And as a huge Monocolor aficionado, I love this style. I love this design. I think it's great.
1: Now, so a card that I'm really excited about, um, which I'm surprised mm-hmm. people haven't talked about too much. And I just think just because there's been so many previews and just generally just so many good cards around, it's just kind of fell under the radar a little bit. And that is Secluded mm-hmm. Courtyard. So if Secluded Courtyard yeah. is a land, it's an uncommon. This is the important bit here, It's an uncommon. As Secluded courtyard enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. Uh, you can tap to add a colourless mana to your mana pool, or you can tap to add one mana of any colour, spend this mana to only cast creature spells of the chosen type, or activate an ability of a creature or creature card of the chosen type. No, yeah. Note that it doesn't come in untapped, which is the big thing, because there's been issues yeah. before, like Zendikar Rising, when you had the party land mm-hmm. that for some reason came in tapped, because they were party would be too good in standard or something. I don't know what. Really weird. Yeah, this is like super good for like Pioneer in particular, because tribal yeah. archetypes aren't really a thing or the, on the cusp of being good. Um, you've got unclaimed territory, that is the only other sort of tribal land you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a much needed shot on the arm, uh, especially for stuff like alls of humans, which is, you know, use, use, does well in yeah. challenges once in a while. It's likely going to replace like ancient ziggurat in modern as well, with sure. application like elves, goblins, spirits. The list goes on. In particular in okay. Ls because you can use the, the second ability to boost, like pay for Azuri costs and stuff like that, which is really important. Mm-hmm. I, I'm super high on these lands because you need more tribal lands. I think that there, there's not enough it of is. them. And if we're not going to get a Cavern of Souls reprint anytime soon, this is like the next best thing. And it's not a bad place hold on Cavern of Souls, even if you don't get the uncountable clause. It's just that sort of fixing for multicolored tribal decks. Yeah. Pick four up on release day and, and you can thank us later
0: because 100%.
1: it's just so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's an incredible god. One thing that I will add to this is that, sure, Cavern of Souls is extremely expensive and stuff, but with Ancient Ziggurat, with Unclaimed Territory, and with this, excluding Cavern of Souls, you could make a budget human stack yeah. here, probably. Exactly.
1: You could do budget tribal, three. like budget goblins or elves, you know. You, you yeah. just unlock so much. Um, I'm excited to throw yeah. these in Bant Spirits in Pioneer because, you know, I don't oh, have yeah. to run like 20 pathways now just to play <laughs> all my cards because I don't have Aethervile. But yeah, this card is just great. And the is Uncommon is so good because WotC could have yeah. easily made this a rare, I think.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah. next one for me is, I have to say, an extremely pretty card. The art on this is beautiful. We don't have the official name for it yet, but according to Scryfall, the rough translation is Joyful Procession. It is X and Red. For an instant that reads as an additional cost to cast this spell you may exile any number of red cards from your hand and this spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way and the effect is exile the top x cards of your library and until the end of your next turn you may play up to two of those cards so this is very powerful very very powerful so to explain how this would work if you were to say pay a red and then exile one card from your hand that's paying one red mana and getting rid of a card from your hand, and you will impulse draw two. So until the end of the next turn, you can play up to those two cards. And any more than that, and it's incredible power. You know, like, you could pump actual mana into it, like on end step or something. Just on your end step, do this, and, like, look at the top, like, five or something. And then you get to choose two of them to play. Now, the wording that's here is, until the end of your next turn, you may play up to two of those cards. Now, again... This is not an official translation, but if it is, that means that you don't have to choose what those cards are on the resolution of the spell. You can just at any point play two of them, which means that depending on what the situation is at the time, it may change and alter. So you might actually choose different cards at different points, which is really powerful. Belcher players have been talking about running this because you often have spare and redundant red cards in hand. Like you have an extra ritual you've no need for or a second Iron crag feed or whatever. It just turns that into two cards off the top that you can choose from, which really lets you dig for the likes of Belcher and, and that kind of thing. So it could be very powerful there. Lelia obviously loves this. Yep. I don't have to say that again. But yeah, I, I see this having a huge impact in a number of different things. Probably more likely to be combo decks, but... You know, I'm particularly excited about that myself. Yeah.
1: So, you yeah. so know, one of the cards I think a lot of people saw, myself included, oh, and I well. know you're not a big fan of this card, is Basiju, who endures. So if you haven't seen what it does, so it's a legendary land. This is going to be a cycle. Mm-hmm. There's going to be um, a cycle of each in each that can tap for each color. Yeah, uh, the legendary lands, they come in untapped. They, so Basiju taps for green, but it also has channel, which is an original Kamigawa keyword that they've brought back for Neon Dynasty. So it's got channel so channel is a generic and a green so you get to you can discard besiege who endures destroy target artifact enchantment or non-basic land and, impo- and controls that player mm-hmm. may search the library for a land card with a basic land type so this does include stuff like shock lands dual lands triumphs all that stuff yeah. they put it into the battlefield and then they shuffle the library this ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control so this is just straight up a, a staple for green decks for green commander decks to the end of time because it's yep. free it's untapped it's free you've got to naturalize on a la- on the land when you fancy it mm-hmm. in the world of modern amulet titan are very much interested in this because you can tell area west for it if it's in play you yeah. can play it and then you can bounce it back and then channel it away like at a later point in the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: as it's got channel it ignores various time ravelers like ability to you know slow down your removal or any of your spells, ignores Chalice of the Void. Ren and Six wants this because you can just you know get it back from the graveyard and naturalize something Mm -hmm. again. Like and like Life of the Loam is another good example because you can just discard it and bring it back. Like the value is incredible. The fact that it's legendary is trying to be the drawback here but I don't think it is because it's you can use one as a land and one as a spell and the fact that someone can get a Triumph out of the deck is fine because you can just blow that up as well, Mm. like, (laughs) worse come worse. And that's an incredibly good card.
0: Yeah, not to mention that in Titan as well, Azusa is legendary, so it makes this cost one green instead. So, yeah, there's that too. So, just a quick bit on this. The reason that I don't like this is because it is too easy. Yeah, It is a free include. Like, there is no downside, and I don't care who's going to turn around and be like, well, actually, Blood Moon. Uh, No, sorry, I don't care if you swap a single forest for a Biseju, the difference is minuscule. It miniscale. blows up Blood Moon. It does blow up Blood Moon. Yeah. If anything, this is better against Blood Moon it's than better. a single it gets forest. gets rid
1: of Blood Moon.
0: <laughs> but like, yeah. And I, I know that sounds wild to say that this is arguably better than the basic against Blood Moon. But like, in most scenarios it is because yeah. you can fetch up a different basic and then use it to use Biseju to blow up the Blood Moon. But the problem I have here is that it is too easy to include and just throw in anywhere. And whenever land's... Do things? Lands cause problems. Look at Field of the Dead. Look at Dark Depths. Look at any number of things. Like, I, th- the list is as long as my arm, right? There are so many broken lands. And, like, for Commander and stuff, this is totally fine. For Modern, I'm not super wild on it. And now, I know this sounds biased because I run Belcher and it hoses that pretty hard. And I run Affinity and it hoses that pretty hard. But overall, it's not a great idea to have these. And one of the reasons for that is... The likes of Ren and Six, I know that people have been saying like, oh, well, Ren and Six, you know, this is really good because you can just keep getting it back and keep blowing up like Tronlands or this or that or the other. And that's fine. But the more power that you give to the likes of Ren and Six, the more likely it is that Ren and Six is going to get banned. And I'm not against that. And I'm not here advocating for Ren and Six to, you know, stay in modern. Mm. But it's the cards around those kind of cards that cause problems baseju is kind of one of those for me now am i like super annoyed that they printed this or whatever no not really like it's just like with any other piece of hate you know you just learn to work around it and it's fine but i'm not wild on the decision to put such a powerful effect on a land for free and still have it so cheap like if this was four mana i would be like that's at least reasonable you know but the fact that it's two and often one that seems a bit much, yeah. you know. Yeah, sorry, I went off on one there. I have, I have feelings about this one card. Everything else though, super it would
1: be sweet. interesting to see the rest <laughs> of the cycle. Like we've seen the red one, which makes some spirits yeah. uh, with its channel cost. So I'd be interested to see what the other three do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna lump a bunch of them in here because they all kind of fit under the same little umbrella, and I'm not going to talk long about each one. Mm-hmm. But there are some cards in particular for the likes of blue, white, and soul, and affinity in modern. That I do want to cover the first one I'll read it out the reality chip one and a blue for a zero four legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish right and it reads you may look at the top card of your library at any time and as long as the reality chip is attached to a creature you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library and it has reconfigure two and a blue now this is the first time we're seeing reconfigure so I'll read it out you may pay the activated cost and attach to target creature you control or unattach it from a creature. And you reconfigure only as a sorcery and while attached, it's not a creature. So it is in fact an equipment when it's reconfigured onto something. And that is very, very cool because by itself, you just look at the top card. That's not a big deal. When you equip this to something, it's now essentially like an experimental frenzy or future site for artifact decks. And I think that is really, really powerful. You might only need maybe one or two of these in the 75 but it's so strong on top of that moonsnare prototype is a single blue mana for an artifact that has an activated ability you tap it and an untapped artifact or creature you control to add a colorless mana and it also has channel so you can pay the cost which is four and a blue and discard moonsnare prototype from your hand and the owner of target non-land permanent puts it on the top or bottom of their library so obviously they get to choose but this is essentially copies five through eight of Springleaf Drum.
1: That's really cool.
0: Absurd. That's it's absurd. It's common as
1: well. I'm really excited to see where it lands in Pauper as well, because I think it's going to yeah. make some interesting affinity builds. I don't think it's like yeah. busted. I just think it opens that space a little bit where you can get a little creative and just do some silly things, but in a in yeah. a fun way, not in a a hog going to just kill you in turn two yeah. kind of way. Yeah.
0: This is real strong. Pauper aside, Blue-Eyed and Soul now gets eight Springleaf Drums, which is absurd, and so does Modern. Yeah. And the fact that it's also just a decent top deck in the late game because it's also just a removal spell out of nowhere, that's pretty good too. So I'm big on that. And then the final piece for Artifact Decks is Michiko's Reign of Truth. So we have sagas coming back, and they all flip into creatures on the last chapter. I love this so so much. (laughs) I love it. It's brilliant. First of all, the mana cost is 1 to white. The first and second chapters are both the same. Target creature gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn for each artifact and or enchantment you control. And the third chapter is exile the saga and return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. And it is Portrait of Michiko, which is a 0-0 zero, zero enchantment creature, human noble. And it gets plus 1, plus 1 for each artifact and or enchantment you control. So effectively, the first two turns that this is on the board, it's pumping something else. The third turn, it turns into a threat itself. It's basically like a mini nettle cyst,
1: yeah,
0: which is All fantastic.
1: It is kind of
0: yeah, yeah, something along those lines. And yeah. I think that for two mana, it's incredibly powerful. It's definitely going to go somewhere in either Blue Eyed and Soul or Affinity and Modern. And I look forward to probably buying two playsets of this because yeah. I'll probably have both decks. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs>
1: um, I do we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and we mm. were just saying like how Neon Dynasty is really going to impact Pioneer and I think it's going to impact it in a good way because there's just so many Usually, good cards yeah. you can just slot into Pioneer and it, it like Pioneer's in a really good spot it's perhaps a little combo heavy but it's pretty much in a good spot Just so just seeing like a set like this inject even more like for different styles of decks, you know, you've got support for mm. Tribal, you've got support for insol. It's just like, I'm really excited to see what happens to Pioneer when this set drops. Just on a side note, I'll yeah. be playing a lot of the format.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I think I'll be doing the same.
1: Yeah. And next up, so you've got a cycle of cost reducers, mm. which is always good for commanders. So you've got like Enthusiastic Mechanault, which is like for artifacts, you've got Jukai Naturalist, which reduces enchantments, and then you've got Silver Firm Master that reduces ninjitsu costs. Um obviously there is a cycle of the of the rest. We haven't seen the rest of them yet. I I would have guessed there's like one for spirits or something like that as well. Um these are always great to see, they're good in commander, you can never have enough cost reducers. Um and they're just generically good in like limited and tribal decks in standard if you choose to play them. Yeah. Or play standard.
0: Yeah. I think we're going to, yeah, we're probably going to see cost reducers, like you said, for the rest of the cycle. People often think that I'm a bit weird when I'm looking at previous sets because I look at small cards like this and I'm like, God, this is so good. While everyone else is like looking at the Planeswalkers and being like, oh, look at the big splashy thing. And it's like, yeah, but these are the things that like fully enable decks in formats that can't quite do it just yet. And Pioneer is a perfect example of this. Yes. You're getting like Jukai Naturalist reducing the cost of enchantments. That's enormous. That's enormous both in Pioneer and potentially Modern as well. Because there is an Enchantress deck in Modern. And like it's good this is gonna go right in. Yeah. That kind of effect is is brilliant to have, but it doesn't really exist in any kind of like reliable way at the moment. And being able to put those into formats without like and they're not broken, they're just great enablers. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that I love to see because you know that like this is now going to become more of a deck and that means another archetype is going to open up, which means that the format's going to be more diverse and more interesting and that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And they're uncommon as well, so they're going to be really cheap to pick up. Yeah. A lot of them are going to be FNM promos by the looks of it, given like the special frame that they've released, Yeah, which is just also great because it means people can build these sort of build-around decks, like artifact build-around decks affordably and that's what we want. For sure. So yeah. the next one leads into a question from one of our BMCast mm. patrons as well. So from Ev the Mage, they ask, how powerful do you think Spirited Companion is going to be? I only ask because it seems to be an easy auto to include in Enchantress EDH and Now mm-hmm. and Forever. If you don't know what Spirited Companion is, it's probably one of my favourite cards from the set because it is a very, very cute doggo. Eh? Let's, yes. let's make that clear. It's a very cute dog. Um, so you get a enchantment creature dog for one generic and a white that is a one one and it reads when spirited companion enters the battlefield you draw a card so it's white Elvish visionary which is awesome yep. you know white needs card drawing this is just a really cool effect mm-hmm. at common as well it is a common card but yeah they are the best boy and i would not hear anything otherwise
0: <laughs> it's best girl actually my favorite text is she yeah but so i have a lot of thoughts about this and It's so good it's so good honestly this is one of my favorite cards from the set as well not just because she's best doggo but (laughs) it's so good like and when I say good like I'm leaning back into what I was saying a couple of minutes ago about the cost reducers being really really exciting for me because it means that more things are going to become more viable. And White has needed stuff like this for a good while now. We've seen some recently, like Search Party Captain and the the Priest of whatever lore, the three mana ETB gain a life and draw card or whatever Mm. from Forgotten Realms. But this is now like the best rate cantripping White creature. And it's fantastic because I think Rachel Weeks actually said it best on Twitter there recently, which was when it comes to seeing improvements for White, particularly in Commander and that kind of thing... You're, you shouldn't be looking at the huge big splashy cards like the mythics and all sorts of mm. stuff it should be the just down to earth just commons and uncommons that are like powerful and playable and they don't break anything they don't do anything it's just good quality of life improvements and this is the perfect perfect example of yeah. that this like i've said is going to go into enchantment decks because it's white it etbs draws a card and it's also an enchantment itself so it will cause more card draw and more additional synergies and all sorts of stuff that alone is fantastic but this will basically just go into any deck like this goes into blink decks yeah. this goes into go wide aggressive decks into like a standard of that kind of thing this will probably go into boros monarch in pauper and yeah. replace some of the bad uh, artifacts that they're playing that are just like etb draw card or whatever because this is now a body as well mm-hmm so yeah I can see this fitting in so many different places and I think it is fantastic I'm probably going to be picking up like 20 copies of this yeah, because they same. are going to go in like everything everywhere they're just so good
1: I just want to live but the dream but it's so unassuming I just want to live the dream of turn my favorite inspector turn two spirited companion
0: you're, you're slowly building out your dream curve as time oh, progresses yeah yeah we'll <laughs> get there we'll get there
1: eventually I'll we'll get favorite yeah. inspector into keep doggo but no I'm a big fan of the card I'm probably going to pick up two dozen myself just because I can it's yeah. just great I really wanted to so play good. with this in Pawpaw, like Blink Decks and stuff, and just Blink Doggo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is my plan. Yep. Um, also, I've had a second question to follow mm-hmm. up the Spirited Companion. In a similar vein, do you think deaf and Tactics will make a comeback now the Stoneforge package is getting uh, an upgrade with lion Sash? And if you don't know mm-hmm. what lion Sash is, it was, I believe it was previewed yesterday or on Saturday mm-hmm. by Aspire and Spike. Uh, so lion Slash is an artifact creature equipment cat so a lot of the equipments come in as creatures, they're not living yeah. weapon, they are a creature themselves, there's no tokens, mm-hmm. they're just all packed together. So for one generic and a white, you get an artifact creature, equipment, cat, and it reads, you can pay a white to exile a card from a graveyard, if it was a permanent card, put a plus one plus one counter on lion slash. A quick creature gets plus one plus one for each plus one plus one counter on lion slash, it's got reconfigured too, um, and it's a one one on its own. So this is really great because it's essentially scavenging news in white that can be tooted yep. off a of Stoneforge Mystic. Like, it seems great. <laughs> and it's just yeah. good in Pioneer. I, I would argue it's
0: better than Skues.
1: Yeah, I think it's better than Skues. And you can play it in yeah. Pioneer. It's just an artifact. You play it in Soul because it's an artifact. Also, it's really good with Luris but isn't every two card? Yeah,
0: but. I mean, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great in Luris decks against other Luris decks. It is, uh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> I think this is phenomenal, to be honest. Nice design. I don't know about I don't know about Death and Taxes, mostly because Death and Taxes is just like this single card isn't going to change any of the bad matchups that it has against like the grindier think matchups and that kind of thing.
1: My issue with Death and Taxes is as long as hammers a thing, no one's going to want to play Death and Taxes.
0: It's just worse hammer. It's just like, worse.
1: Ha- it's just hammer with extra yeah. steps, and hammer is just too good not to play. Especially now, Luris is still legal. Like you just play hammer until yeah. something happens. <laughs>
0: yeah the thing is what's important to point out about lion sash though is how many different things this goes into mm. partially because it's an artifact partially because it's an equipment but like you said blue white and soul affinity and so on they'll all use it stoneforge packages you can have one of these in the 75 and you can now just tutor up your graveyard hate that's phenomenal you can also see this popping up in basically every white decking commander because it's such an easy include Yeah. You can fetch it off open the armory. You can get it off, again, Stoneforge there and everything as well. There are plenty of different ways to go and fetch this up. It can also be gotten off of a tribute mage. Just saying, you know, the little mage packages. There's so many different places that this can fit into. It's arguably one of the best cards in the set for that reason alone. Yeah. And that's fantastic as well. I'm
1: just a big fan of having these sideboard cards that you can easily play main board as a win condition. Yeah pretty it's good like, it's, just, it's just that flexibility is just so important with sideboard cards because obviously you want a broad sort of net to deal with various decks and this does that it kills people and it cl- cleans clears out the get- graveyard Like, it just adds yeah. to that impressive arsenal of white cards
0: yeah yeah. hopefully we'll start to see a little bit more of this over the next week or so and then mm. over the next couple of sets and then white will be fixed everybody hey, Yay.
1: it all starts with spirited companion
0: yes yes it does <laughs> all good plans start with a good doggo damn right Alright, so I think, I think we'll cut it there for now For the preview cards that we're going to talk about I do know we have quite a few questions this week So we should probably hop on over
1: Yep, so we'll start off with Heli Mattius over on Twitter So they ask, top 5 downgrades for Pauper Only Uncommon to Common, go
0: Okay, so I have put a lot of thought into this before And here are my top 5 Unclaimed Territory uh, It is an untapped uh, dual colour land That aggressive decks can take advantage of But slower controlling decks can't Dryad Militant, uh, but with better artwork, please. No turfs allowed. Because <laughs> it will give white aggressive decks a way of stopping recurring Tron loops and stuff in the graveyard. And also will give it a green stompy. Hmm. Blood Artist, because there are sacrifice decks, but they don't have any kind of good reach or late game. Gate Colossus. I like this because one. Because I love the idea of play your slower gates and stuff instead of your Tron lands. And you get these infinitely recurrable eight eights that are really hard to block. I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah. And then finally, I want Reanimator to be a thing, so I'm going to choose Victimize.
1: Good one. Because
0: that, like, that's a pretty good reanimation spell. If that was a it common, is. I would be a happy boy. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so those are good choices. So my first one is Field of Ruin. Okay. Because I would love to see Port just have access to decent land interaction in your land mm. base. I think Ghost Court might be a bit too good, but I'd really like Field of Ruin because they get a basic out of it, so it doesn't feel as... Rough. Flame of the Blood Hands a really good one just to stop, to give red decks a little sure. bit of a buff against life gain. Acidic Slime is another one that I kind of wish was common, but I think it might be too good. Another just cool threat to ramp into. Mm.
0: Um,
1: Adanto Vanguard for the white aggressive decks, Ooh. which I quite yeah. like. And Zillaput Cutthroat for similar reasons with you and Blood Artist. I, I like that there should be some kind of payoff for these starter decks.
0: Yeah, they're, they're all pretty good choices. I
1: will say, I have no clue if this is going to happen. This is just in an ideal world. Yeah. These are what I would like to see downshifted. Mostly like Field of Ruin. I'd like to see some Field of Ruin, a Ghost Quarter at Common, just on a side note, because I think the format could do with that, I think.
0: Yeah. I forgot you have to put in these addendums now because of the proper Yeah, proper my Yeah, whatever there. I say about Forbes
1: <laughs> was put under a microscope, so if I say no. anything, Reddit's going to lose their minds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we have another question from Munsu Light from the BM Cast mm-hmm. Discord, and they ask Scott: Is Scott dying of excitement with all the good spoilers for Lelia? <laughs> this set seems really dope at the moment.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, it, it took a lot of control uh, to not just include five red cards that make Lelia so much better from this set. <laughs> yes. I, d- I don't know. I don't know what happened or who paid them off, but uh, thanks, wizards. Like <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, so we have a question from Mickey, also from the BM Cast Discord. They yeah. ask: There have been two consecutive episodes with a reference to Dungeons and Dragons. Is this foreshadowing? And also, can you talk about like your character creation methods?
0: Well, to be completely honest, I don't know about foreshadowing. Maybe one way to find out. Maybe this is foreshadowing. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to character creation, what I tend to do is I try to create a character out of the mechanics. So i look at something interesting and different like for example the most recent character that i've created is uh, a water is a water uh, I, I had to look up the pronunciation because i was tired of like not knowing and it's it's Genasi. yeah it's a Genasi. uh i have a water genesee cleric that sort of grew up on like the streets and slums and that kind of thing so they're not very like super hardy and that kind of thing they have a couple of like sneaky tricky kind of things and they're mostly there for like you know support but can also kind of hold their own but more in a I'm gonna get out of here kind of way yeah so I let those kind of things influence the kind of character that they're going to become and I like to just sort of go with that Mm. as my sort of design I think.
1: Um, mine's a little different so it kind of depends on the kind of group i'm with whether they're experienced Mm. or not and what kind of characters they want to play and what classes they want to play because having like a diverse set of classes is a really good way just to have a good campaign so if everyone wants Mm. to be like spellcasters for some reason for whatever reason they all want to be like bards and wizards and warlocks like cool i'll be a like a cleric or i'll be a barbarian just to give some just to give that diversity right? right um that's kind of how I go about it. I kind of fill in the gaps. Like I'm happy to play any kind of role. Um, it's very rare yeah. that I'm like insistent on playing a particular class unless I've came up with a great idea. Um, but mostly I'm just there to fill gaps. Um, yep. So David on the BMCast Discord also asks, which deck are you most proud to have built? Oh, um,
0: hmm. I'm not 100% sure in terms of modern I would say, maybe the mono Red Hollow one, just because I kind of just invented a new archetype that like sort of existed but didn't before, yeah. but also like died, but yeah, it's weird uh, no one is ever ready for it or used to it or anything, mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's kind of gas. I love that for Commander, I'm starting to become more proud of the decks that I've more recently done because I am noticing a stark improvement in my building like for example the feather deck is a clever design that i wouldn't have done like six months ago lelia and octavia are two particularly prideful ones of mine like i i think they're the two decks that i've sort of stuck with the longest i think we were talking about this before the cast they're the ones i'm starting to get known for lelia in particular and every time I play at least one person at the table like Joey was during the week there mm-hmm. on the EDH cast stream was like what is this and Angelo in the chat was like you'd love to see it Leilio does this every time <laughs> yeah. and it's so great <laughs> that feels good yeah. myself what about I'm, you?
1: I'm trying to think of mine like honestly I'm a bit stumped because I, I don't really play too much Commander so I haven't really built anything innovative there mm. I think I have to go far back as like old standard when I used to, when I built one of Black mm-hmm. Eldrazi back when Over the yep. Gate Battle for Zendikar was a thing because it was just this mono black control deck that just ran like four Nossiers and Matter Reshapers that just got Lily Last Hope out from a Matter Reshaper. And it was just a really fun deck because you had like Grasp of Darknesses, you had like, I played like a Murder, had like Calitasses yeah. and stuff like that. And on like a local level, it was a really good meta call. And I just remember doing really well with it. And I just kind of built it from scratch. And I just <laughs> remember that being a cool feeling. Yeah. Then we got a question from the Joe Cheney on the BM Cast is called Where do you reckon this set as in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty will land in mm-hmm. terms of power level? Is it shaping up to be photo of Eldraine number two Electric Boogly?
0: I mean, yeah, kind of.
1: That's, that's quite a question.
0: Well, the thing is I think it is very, very close to the power level now. Again, based on what we've seen so far, yeah. obviously. I think it's very, very close to that kind of power level. But what's weird is that I think it's a good thing. And the reason that I think it's a good thing is because it is putting in a load of enablers for existing things, like I said earlier, in Pioneer, mm. rather than going, look at these busted cards, we're now making new archetypes from them. And Eldraine did that with the likes of Fires of Invention or whatever, and they are still all down in Pioneer and stuff. We're instead getting a lot of things that like buff up things that already exist, but aren't quite there in that format at least. As for Standard and stuff, like, I don't really care because I don't think anyone's playing it anymore, so it's kind of whatever. Their format. Apologies if you do play Standard and you're listening. Rip, I guess. But, like, (sighs) yeah, I think they've actually kind of nailed a high power level set that doesn't feel broken. Yeah. At least so far.
1: It helps because we kind of gather as an artifact set, right? And a big part of that is that the artifacts actually have colored mana costs as opposed to colorless, which I think is huge, I think if they were all colourless, it would be having a completely different conversation.
0: Yeah. Honestly, coloured artefacts are one of the best designs in the past forever. Because I was just saying this to Emma again before the cast, (laughs) that I took an example from Adventure in the Forgotten Realms, the precons, Belt of Giant Strength. Mm. Feels like a green card. It's definitely an artefact, but it's a green card. It's got to be. Having it as a green artefact is awesome. It's so cool. It feels right. If that was colourless, it'd be like... "Mm, why are you putting that in your like mono blue deck or whatever? Yeah, like it, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't add up. Now, I like the way they're still leaving like some of the vehicles and stuff as colorless because like it it's a car. Like what, <laughs> what color do you want a car to be? Like it's just a car, you know, yeah. but other cool stuff like the, the spring leaf drum kind of thing like mm. that makes sense because you've seen, remember the blue steel deck from Modern where like it had the, was it the architect or whatever, the one that taps your oh, yeah. things for colorless. And yeah, it's similar to that. It feels like that kind of thing, you yeah. know? So, like, they, they feel, flavour-wise and mechanics-wise, they feel much more cohesive and, and yeah. consistent. And I think that's also helped make sure that they're not too busted because they can't go in every deck. Not Canada Canada's 2.0, which is good. Yeah. Uh,
1: We've got a question from Coffee that we kind of answered earlier, but I'll, put it, I'll say it again here. Mm. Is Martin Charbailter going to take a hit with the printing of Uh
0: No, I don't think so. Um, like it's just another hate piece it just exists we're just gonna have to play around it and that's fine i do know that they are looking at stuff like invoke calamity Mm. where they're like oh what if we use this with like i think they're looking at like copy spells and like iron crag feet and stuff to make like enormous amounts of mana and like do something with that or potentially go infinite that way and so there are like other things that we're getting in the set that are helping to give it different angles of attack if needs be so yeah sure this is basically a sun rain on land for us mm. but we have other things that are coming in too so i think it's going to just balance out really
1: yeah um both schwartz asked on the discord and they ask uh, alchemy has made it possible to nerf bu- um, buff cards online do you have any pet cards or commanders from the past that you wish you could just give a little push to make it work i'm um, stumped on this one <laughs> i'll be honest nothing
0: so- really came to mind Personally, and I—I kind of gave it away with the with the inclusion of gate classes there earlier. Yeah. I would love gates to just be a thing a cool, in some cool format. Deck. I really love that yeah. deck. standard it was really affordable yeah. as well yeah it was really cool it was really fun i see i have a personal affinity for it because it was one of the decks that i was known for playing when i was streaming mm-hmm. and every time i cast a Gates of blaze i would scream Gates to blaze <laughs> and like it was a whole thing <laughs> <Very> and <good. laughs> on top of that i also won the war chest store championship with it beating like some of the better players in yeah. the dublin area and stuff. so like i was very proud of that yeah. and it was all done with like a 80 euros deck or something you know mm-hmm. so i would like to see that get a little better support though we're not going to get that for a good while because we won't be back in ravnica for a long time but i don't know like to be honest anytime i wish something would get a little bit of a buff or a boost or something not too long afterwards a set comes along and comes up with like a couple of random cards where it's like oh suddenly this is better now and i'm I'm cool with that like I'm cool with being surprised that in like who knows New Capenna might make something else suddenly viable in commander or so a, an older commander like better and stuff like and I'm I'm looking forward to that yeah. I think I prefer that than rather than wishing for specific buffs
1: yes I'm with you yeah. there purely because I can't think of anything right now so I'm going to take your answer <laughs> as well <Yeah>. unless <laughs> we've got a question from Ozzy from the discord and they ask hot chocolate <laughs> tea or coffee I know Oof. your answer do you? has to be tea
0: right well sort of like tea is what tea is what i drink on a day-to-day basis and (laughs) the reason for that is because coffee gives me heartburn oh i didn't know that yeah i would i would choose coffee if i had the choice but uh tea just doesn't screw up my stomach for some reason in comparison so i think it's an acidity thing i don't know but one thing i've been really enjoying lately is i've made up like almost like a chai i suppose with Fresh grated nutmeg and cinnamon and oh, honey and a few other bits and bobs, and putting it into oat milk and heating that up. And that has been so good. That the toasty really oat kind of flavors drink. running through, and oh, beautiful. Yeah, Lovely. highly recommend.
1: I'm definitely a coffee person. Yeah. Definitely. I just reverberate on caffeine. Continue. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently than we could fit into the usual outro, so I've got to speed things up a little bit. At the cheering fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Bradley Rose, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Morgan Roberts, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, the Jess Guide, the Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks here, we have a nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Beau Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, and Jamie Coyle. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your book.